Hi, everyone. Welcome to Clearview Community Church Online. My name is Clayton, and I'm one of the pastors here at Clearview Community Church. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help people like yourself and like myself to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, for any information that you would like about our in-person services, our programs, our small groups, or the church in general, visit our website, clearviewcommunity.church. So as a church, we've been walking through the book of Luke from the New Testament. Now, it's found about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. Now, in this book of Luke, which is named after its author, Luke makes an effort to take all the stories about Jesus that are swirling around this ancient world, and he puts them into a logical order for people like you and for me to read. And so far, Luke establishes that Jesus is the Messiah. He establishes the teachings of Jesus and the kingdom that Jesus proclaims, and that this kingdom, it's new and it's unlike anything we've ever seen. And now we're in a section of Luke where the power of Jesus is being highlighted. This section of Luke that we are in over the next few weeks, it runs through some miracle stories where Jesus demonstrates his power, his power over nature, his power over evil, his power over death and disease. So I hope you see what Luke is doing as he writes this account. This Messiah is powerful. He has power over creation. He has power over evil and he has power over death and disease, which are the implications of sin on creation. So today we're going to walk through Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. We'll take breaks a couple times through the story and explore what God, I think, is speaking to us today. So let's look at the first part of our verses now, starting in verse 26. It says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Now for a long time this man had not worn clothes, or lived in a house, but instead he had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of this man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demons into solitary places. So let's pause here because there's a lot going on and we'll take a look at this portion. We're introduced to three characters in this story. Jesus, the man, and the demons. Okay, so Jesus we know. He is the Messiah proclaiming the kingdom to the outcasts. And then let's look at the man. We learn a few really important things about him. We're told that he had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but instead he lived in the tombs. Now, not having any clothes or nakedness in the ancient world, now that was a big red flag. It was seen as a lack of dignity. He was socially isolated, obviously, because he doesn't live in a house, meaning that there's no family or friends that are caring for him anymore. He lives in the tombs, somewhere where nobody wants to live. It was unclean, it was desperate, and it was destitute. The picture we are painted is of a man who someone is in complete state of complete social humiliation and complete disgrace. The picture we have of this man is someone who's beyond desperation. It's a hopeless picture. And then there's the third character of the story, these demons. The verse we read shows us that they had taken over this man often. It says many 
times. And even when he was restrained by chains and put under a guard, they still overtook him, gave him crazy strength, he broke the chains, and they ran him into solitary places like these tombs. So we have our three characters. Let's continue. In verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Okay, so now we look at the conversation between Jesus and these demons that have seized this poor man. Its name is Legion. Now, it's a weird name because it's not really a name. It's a number. A legion is the word for an entire Roman regiment of soldiers, up to 6,000 men ready for combat. So the name legion means a lot, a whole small army's worth. And it's important to note what happens in the conversation because so much is happening in the story all at once. So what I want to do is draw your eyes to how the two characters here, Jesus and the demons, how they relate. Jesus asks for the demon's name, and it answers immediately. No qualifiers, no restraint. And then twice, the demons beg Jesus, first, to not send them into the abyss. And then secondly, they beg to give them permission to go to the pigs. Do you notice the hierarchy or the power dynamic? The demons know who they're speaking to. And after who knows how long of them tormenting this helpless man, they are now the ones who are helpless. They are now the ones powerless. Up until this point, they've had power over the helpless man, but now they recognize and they state that they are face to face with the son of the most high God. They are the ones who are powerless now. And they, they shake in their boots. A whole army of them cowers in front of this Jewish man standing before them because they know who he truly is. He is the son of the most high. He is the powerful creator of the universe. And just last night, this man in front of him, he had woken up from a nap and told a raging storm to be quiet. And the wind and the waves, they stopped dead in their tracks. And now he's coming after them. So Jesus gives them permission for now to go into the pigs. So we look at the last part of the story now. There's a reaction of the people around and the man who is freed, starting in verse 34. It says, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out. And he was sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with the fear. So he got into the boat and he left. Now the man from whom the demons had gone out, he begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and he told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. People find out about what has happened. They, they tell their neighbors and their peers. And so naturally a crowd forms. This crowd would have known the man who had been seized many times. And Luke gives us a description of this man now that he's encountered Jesus. What they saw 
was a man who was normally driven running away by demons, now sitting peacefully at the feet of Jesus. A man who was normally nakedly clothed in only humiliation, now wearing clothes comfortably. He used to hide in tombs, and now he sits in public. He used to be chained up for his safety and for the safety of others, but now he's in the right mind and resting. And the others who came to see this, they're afraid. They know what this man was like, and his incredible transformation, it freaks them out. So the question is, what do we do with this? The answer to the question, the answer they have is heartbreaking. They send Jesus away. They ask Jesus to leave because of their fear. So this is the story that we sit with today and we meditate on. And as I prepared and prayed and studied this passage, maybe you're asking the same questions that I was asking. What, what do I do with this one? I'd like to suggest a couple of things that maybe we can just focus on. First, it's the power of Jesus. And then secondly, the response to Jesus of working in our lives. You see, Jesus steps off the boat at the beginning of the story, having very recently told the seas to calm, and he demonstrates his power over nature. And then he runs into this man who's considered a completely hopeless case. He's not a little problem. He's not in a little jam. He's in a big problem. And Jesus simply speaks, and the demons beg for mercy. And after who knows how long of running wild, these demons, they cower in fear of the Messiah. The man is completely transformed. He's no longer what he used to be. Instead, he is free, dignified, and restored. And you know what this demonstrates for me? Is that there's nothing that's too much. There's no story too messed up, no heart too broken, no dream too big, no disappointment too traumatic. There's no sickness too hopeless or possession gone too far. Nothing too much for Jesus to step in to simply speak and completely transform it. Today, some of you are walking through some pretty terrible things. I won't pretend to know all the details and I won't pretend to know how hard it is for you. But I wanna to speak to you. The person of Jesus can step into the darkest of moments and when he speaks, things change because he's powerful to do so. So first we look at the power of Jesus, never to be diminished, we, diminished, we get that now. But we look at the responses shown as well. Two responses to the work of Jesus are given to us. On the one hand, people are struck with fear. They tell Jesus to leave him alone, to get out of here. They knew that it would take something incredible, something kind of supernatural to free this man. And once Jesus demonstrates his power to do so with ease, they're freaked out. Why? Maybe it's because they know that the power is so beyond them. Maybe it's because they know that they're gonna be confronted with the evil in their own lives. The response is fear. The response is to reject Jesus, though. And the other option presented, the man is clothed in his right mind and he sits at the feet of Jesus, welcomed into the community of Jesus, and he's given a task. Jesus tells him to go home and tell how much God has done for you. The first invitation is simple, be with Jesus. Now there's a beauty in knowing that Jesus comes and saves the man, frees the man, restores his dignity to him, and the response and requirement in return is simple. Sit at the feet of Jesus and know you're loved. So today, maybe you're listening and, and you may need to be reminded of this. It's not your work that frees you, it's the power of Jesus. It's not your work after you're freed that keeps you free. Instead, you are invited to sit at the feet of 
Jesus. Let's pray. God, today we bring you our hurts and our pains, our struggles, our battles, our sins, and our broken and destructive habits. And we know that with a simple word, you can free us. And we trust you because it's your power that does that. It's not my efforts. And as you work in my life and as you work in the lives of the people who listen today, help us to cease the striving and to sit at the feet of Jesus, to know the truth and the depths of your love for us. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me today at Clearview Community Church Online. If you want to find out more about our in-person gatherings, to get connected into a community, to engage with community impact initiatives, to talk with someone, or maybe you want more information about our children and our youth programs, you can find all of that information on our website, clearviewcommunity.church. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.